Hola, mi amigos. This is your captain speaking. Just kidding. I'm, I'm not your captain. But I am your friend. Welcome to Mountain Mosaic. I am your host, Nat Bailey. Mountain Mosaic is a podcast that attempts to capture the feeling of a life spent outside and the stories of the people who are out there getting after it. Episode 6 is the phoenix rising out of the ashes for this podcast. It's laid dormant for a few months. Um, spring came, the weather got really good, and it's been hard to think about anything but the present around me. And from that presence came the hearing of really awesome, inspiring stories and catching up with old friends and meeting new ones and having grand adventures. And I remembered that the reason that I wanted to start this podcast is to to capture these stories that I'm hearing somewhere and put them out into the world to hopefully inspire someone or at the least have somewhere to practice my moose calls. When I was working at the Zephyr Cafe in Squamish this summer, I befriended a man who would come in at night and play chess. Um, Through these games of chess and conversations while he was filling up his coffee, I began to feel that he had a story to tell and that he maybe hadn't told it to someone before. Um, So we became closer and closer and I asked him if he would be comfortable with sitting down and recording a conversation and he agreed and I'm really really excited to share the conversation that we had he asked that he go under a pseudonym um, he chose the flower hyacinth as his name which he said to me off the air wasn't really an important flower to him but was an important flower to someone that was important to him there's a lot of sort of shrouded mystery in this conversation there's a lot of nuggets of wisdom there's a lot there's a lot of tragedy and I guess these are all sort of the the stems and the blossoms of a man who is speaking candidly about an incredibly turbulent life lived I ask that you please listen with an open heart and with an empathetic heart and that you prepare yourself for a conversation that is riddled with humor and quite light-natured but covers some topics and some some experiences that are, are pretty difficult to hear let alone live thank you Hyacinth if you ever hear this for being so honest and such an individual It is so inspiring when people are unapologetically themselves. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to Mountain Mosaic. But you'll have to lead me on because I don't know. I have a clue where to start. For sure. Yeah, I know, right? It's always tricky. Okay. You're doing the the, Um, the blog, right? The first question is... um, 
What do you, th- what do you think about yourself? Myself, mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm a human being that doesn't really feel. Like, I don't really feel like I fit into the human race very much. Okay. I feel more like I'm I'm an alien from another really? part of the universe, and I'm here to. I was sent here to observe the human race. That's as close as I can get to the real definition of how I feel about myself. Wow. I felt like that. Has it always been, has it always been like that? Yes, ever since I, I was in kindergarten. I've been observing the... Have there been any kind of distinct moments in your life where you've been like, I just don't belong here? Like. Yeah, I've been... I've always been... I've been always a, a step back from from what's going on, always observing what's going on and always trying to decide, you know, what is what is this world all about kind of thing. And what have you come up with? Uh, what have I come up with? What is this world all about? <laughs> the, that there's a lot of gr- very nice, very good stuff in it and there's a lot of very bad stuff in it, both. You've kind of seen both. Yeah, because I think that humans can be very 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 nice and loving mm. and they can also be very destructive and and um, jealous and possessive and all that mm-hmm. and yes. uh, like we see it in, in our world today there's well uh, according to this one one guy Steven Pinker you know him he, he says that that the human humanity as a whole has been getting more and more peaceful there's less and less crime and on all in all, in all, that may be true, but I don't. I, I just see that there's a lot of crazy stuff going on still in the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe statistically, you may be right. In terms of statistics, there's less crime, less yeah. violence in the world, and that's probably what is driving it. But <clears throat> yeah. How old are you? Oh, I'm too old. Don't ask me how old I am. Okay. I'm ageless. So where if you wouldn't mind kind of getting into a little bit of your past like where I'm just trying to get a yeah, bit of like yeah, a okay. chronological yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Where shoot. Where did you grow up? I <clears throat> my first and around what time? Um, uh, last century sometime I grew up in Poland. <laughs> Okay. So, I left Poland when I was around 10, 11. With your family? Yeah. And uh, I lived in, okay, we lived in uh, two countries first. I lived in Indonesia for a year and a half, about. Then... What was what was your family doing that they moved around so much? Um, my, my father was an electronics engineer, and he was sent by a Polish company to work in Indonesia, which was then communist-leaning, huh. and Poland was communist then. And actually, I was there during um, during the takeover by from Sukarno to Suharto. I don't know if you know about those guys. No, I don't. Okay, Suhar- Sukarno was a left-leaning uh, president of or pri- president of in- Indonesia, and Suharto was a military general who took over from him, and then. Uh, the whole country turned towards the west from turning towards Russia, the Russian bloc, mm-hmm. you know, the eastern bloc. Yeah. And you were there? Yeah. I was oh. there during that takeover. What was it like? Well, I, there was, you know, there was once we were going down the road and there was a, 
someone was there with throat cut on lying on the road. Oh my god. I didn't fortunately I didn't see that, but you know, that's what happened. That it was a violent takeover. The day that that Suharto took over, we were stationed at a military base and uh, so my, my father worked for the military and then during the takeover you all all the soldiers were shooting their guns in the air. It was like fireworks, even my, the best fireworks in the world, <laughs> as far as I could tell. Were you a kid? Yeah, yeah, I was ten years old. Ten years old. Yeah. Probably had no real no like way to make I, sense. I knew, what was, I, you knew what was happening. I, I knew that something was going on, and I found out later from my parents. You know, but then then we, we had to leave the country, right? So my parents wanted to uh, because of that takeover. Yeah. Yeah. Because because Indonesia no, the no longer no supported longer accepted, this, yeah. yeah yeah so so we decided mm. to just uh, defect from the Eastern Bloc and instead of going back to Poland we ended up going the other way to Australia you totally defected your family yeah yeah my father was did. that easy to do well it took a while a few months sitting in in the um, capital city Jakarta and staying in a a rinky-dinky hotel for a few months so that nobody could find us and, and meanwhile my father was wow. do, going to a very you know as a 10 year old yeah i didn't my parents didn't tell me until we we're on well on the plane to to australia they didn't tell me they didn't want me so to. what did you think was going on if you remember i thought we were going back to poland and it just took time you know to yeah, to arrange everything wow yeah they didn't trust me with i'm sure they could have I think I was mature enough to be trusted with that kind of information, but I guess they didn't want to take the chance. And it must have been hard, like, moving around and growing up so much to build relationships and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, cha changing locations, yeah. But, you know, I had to, uh, when we got to Australia, I... How long I were you in Australia? Four years, about. And I just had, that's where I, where I learned English, most of all. Okay. And yeah, I wasn't bad in the end. I, I grew to really love Australia. You were there till, into, into your teenage years? Yeah, I was about 16 when we left. Wow. And we went to Canada. My parents wanted to come to Canada. I, I, I would have rather stayed in Australia because, you know, I loved the, I loved the climate and the surf. And the, and yeah, the did you surf? Yeah, body surfing, mostly. Cool. I didn't have a, I was too young to have a board at least. My parents probably wouldn't have trusted me with a board, but I did a bit of body surfing. Were you close with your parents? Well, yes and no. Nah. I appreciate you being so <laughs> candid, by the way. I, I can't say I was close and intimate with my parents. I can't say that I told them uh, I think everything about my life. No, I didn't. You know, I was kept to myself. I was, I was an only child, and I just... I was very quite introverted, so I yeah. did not. I didn't tell my parents anything that was truly per pertinent in my life. Like at that time, I would not trust them, and I they didn't ask me even. So it was a pretty um, formal relationship. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, it was. It was a. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't anything like. My parents were not my real friends, if I could call it. Whether they sure. were just my parents. Yeah. I just had to go by their rules, basically. That's did it. you kind of rebel? Uh, later on, yes, I did. When I, you know, turned 18, 19. You were in I, Canada at that time. Yes, I was in Canada, and you know, I started 
doing drugs and all that. What kind of drugs? Hallucinogens mostly. Like mushrooms and acid. LS, and stuff. LS, acid, yeah. There was quite a bit of acid around that. that Where time. were you in Canada? In Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. First how'd, you, how'd you get into that scene? Oh, it was in the high schools. Were full of that stuff at the time. Just totally it crazy. was everywhere. Wow. Yeah, LSD was available everywhere, all the time. Did you be, you kind of built some friendships while you're in Toronto. Yeah. The the guy who turned me on to to LSD also turned me on to smoking tobacco. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh no. It was like a sacrament, you know. We sat across from each other. We had each had. He put a glass of wine in front of me, a cigarette, and a uh, tab of, of LSD. And, you know, that was like a, it was a real, almost a religious experience. Wow. <laughs> that was great, kind of. It does sound, it sounds coming of age. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And after that, you know, I was, I guess I was even more, more, more alienated from my parents' generation well totally world. you're going off into a different realm yeah I don't think they would I don't think my parents would even understand anything I was going to say whether or not they'd approve it they probably wouldn't even understand no I don't think so no they, they, my parents to, to this day my, my mother's gone but my father's alive and I'm sorry he's to this day I'm sure he thinks you know all, basically all drugs are evil that kind of thing mm -hmm. <laughs> did you explore with drugs quite a bit as a teenager yeah I got into LSD quite a bit. Any any trips that stand out, like early early LSD trips? Uh, that stand yeah, out? the fir first one was the most amazing because. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, it was like. At first, I didn't know if anything was happening, and it was a um, CNE, I think, Canadian National Exhibition in mm -hmm. Toronto, and and all of a sudden, I was walking over this walkway, this bridge over the highway to to the playland kind of place. Yeah. That was the, my first trip. And all of a sudden, everything became so distorted. People looked re weird. And then I, I knew I was really stoned. Like, everything became exaggerated. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the most... Then I knew I was really stoned. And I thought, wow, this is great. Were you scared or were you like, no, no this is cool? I wasn't scared at all. Cool. <laughs> then I started doing LSD like once or twice a week. Wow. <laughs> Quite a bit. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah. I know. Kept it up for a year or two or three. And were the trips still as intense or did you mm -hmm. kind of mellow off? They were still really intense? Well, yeah, they were. They were pretty good. Yeah. And this was after high school or during high school? During high school, yeah. Crazy. The last few years of high school. <laughs> What'd you do after high school? Oh, I, I tried tried uh, going to university for a year or two and I dropped out because I was just just couldn't get into the academic world. And what part of it? Oh, just the social part of it, or was it just it, the actual like academia? Just, yeah, academia itself. Yeah. I dropped out because I, I guess I lost interest in it. I don't know, something like that. Maybe I should have continued. I, were there other things that interested you that were kind of pulling you away from it, or was it just a total lack of interest in what was happening? Yeah, well, the counterculture is <laughs> what drove me. It sounds. It sounds like attracted me the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Living on the fringe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 
I don't know. University's not that fringe all the time, is it? Well, no, it's pretty dry, cut and dry. It was at the time, and you yeah. know. But, you know, it wasn't bad. It's just a. Did you have a crew of people you were kind of rolling with at that time? Uh, actually, I just had one of, one of two friends. I had one, one close friend, two close friends. One of them ended, ended up committing suicide, unfortunately. Oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was too that much. That must have been really hard. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. It must have been really hard. Yeah. The other one I was friends with for quite a while. And, you know, we were just just friends. We would take walks in the middle of the night in Toronto, down the alleys, and then we'd hear people saying, other people there commenting on, on us saying, "Here come the two lovers." Like <laughs> we weren't lovers at all; we we're just close friends. Mm. Yeah, like there was not, not, nothing like that. How did that make you? Us. Yeah, I didn't care. I couldn't yeah, care less. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. But uh, that was, you know, that was a close friend of mine, and when I met my wife. We kind of separated. And, well, when I we decided to to hitchhike out to British Columbia. Where'd you meet your wife? In Toronto. And then we hitchhiked out all across um, Canada, all the way here. All the way to the Sea to Sky. Yeah, all the way to actually all the way to Vancouver and stay in Vancouver for a year or so. Then, then we decided we wanted to get out of the city and move to um, Darcy. What was it? Can I ask you kind of a personal question? Okay, go ahead. Um, you, you, you know, it's. It sounds like you've lived quite an introverted life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, where it's, you find I'm, it. I'm basically an introvert. Totally, and, by and, nature. and it sounds like. You sort of find it tricky to really build relationships or. Or just yeah. feel connected sometimes, you yeah. know, as I'm sure we all do, but... I find it much easier now that I'm more mature than, than I was then, but... Totally. Yeah, then, yeah, uh, basically, so yeah. What was it with, like, meeting someone, you know, like a... like a, a romantic relationship is so intimate, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you share so much of yourself with that person. Yeah. So, if you don't mind me asking, what mm-hmm. was it about your wife that you felt... You had that connection. Was she quite an introverted person too? Oh no, she was. She was much more extroverted than me. I think maybe it, she was a complement to my nature. Maybe that's why it, you guys it worked. Each yeah, other. yeah. I think that's that's the kind of thing that it worked out that way. She was the the outward going one, and I was a kind of a timid, kind of drawn mm-hmm. back person. And she dealt with the world for for both of us, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And was she kind of in that counterculture too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was. Uh, unfortunately, she ended up um, getting becoming very sick. You guys hitchhiked to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Just the two of you, kind of left a world behind. Yeah. Why Vancouver? We're trying to. <laughs> Just start something new, basically. Mm-hmm. Change, change our na- world. Or get away from, get away from Toronto. Yeah, I, I don't know. Toronto can be kind of a harsh city in a way. So. You find what you're looking for on the west coast, you and your wife. Well, yeah, we found, we found the, the isolation and peace we wanted living in 
near Darcy in the vine. So, where'd you, so you went from Vancouver and then where'd you go? I go to Darcy. We went to Darcy. Where's that? You know where Pemberton is? Yeah. It's about 45 kilometers up from Pemberton. North of Pemberton? Yeah, it's, it's Lake Anderson, the beginning of Lake Anderson, which there's Lake Anderson, there's Lake Season Portage, Lake Lake Lillewood or Seaton, there's Lillewood, and yeah, it's like a small community. And you went up there? <laughs> yeah. And just lived off the land, or what? No, we, we, we had a place to live in, and then um, a, while, a little while later, um, Carol's mother decided to buy, buy a place for us in Divine, which is like a few kilometers down from Darcy. Wow, cool. Just a house, double wide, it was a trailer converted to a double white house and yeah it was a good price nice little place yeah yeah and we lived there for oh 20 odd years 20 years mm-hmm. were, you, were you were you would you were you guys working or no we're we're both on disability benefits because we're both like considered mental cases <laughs> sure so yeah, unfortunately, yeah, for me, as far as I... What were those 20 years like? I know that's a big question because it's 20 oh, years. we just lived our lives blissfully unaware of the world kind of thing. Blissfully unaware of the world. <laughs> yeah, cool. something like that. We had a big, one of those big C-band dishes, you know, those satellite dishes. Yeah. We watch TV all the time. And what did you guys like to do? Oh, well, I don't know. Read books, watched TV, talked a lot. We were quite, like mentally, we were quite close together, I suppose you could say. So, talked about. Are you a spiritual kind of, person? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, certainly. <laughs> if not, oh. Would you say you guys were pretty spiritually connected to? Oh yeah, I think so. We were, yeah. We, of course, you know, being a couple, we soulmates. We're soulmates at the same time. My wife always found it easy to start arguments with me. Yeah. So it was a two-sided relationship Whoa. kind of thing. A lot of love, but yeah. Sometimes a lot of arguing. Mm. Oh well. Yeah, that's okay. And right now, you know, I, I value my independence, and I'm not I don't I'm not jumping into any relationships, even if it has happened happened to happen. I, I like being. Time for you to be alone right now? Being independent, yeah. 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 It's so you guys, you lived there for 20 years. How about that? 22. We're married for 22 years. We lived there a, a, bit, a few more years than that, 25 or so. Do you mind if I ask what happened? Uh, well, my wife died. She was... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she was, she was very sick for a long time. She had what is called COPD, which is a chronic lung disease and you know it doesn't get better it's a progressive thing it just gets worse she was on uh, an oxygen supplementary oxygen so you sort of just watched her fade away basically yeah there's nothing I could have done yeah I'm really sorry yeah well it happened yeah so she died in 2012 thanks yeah so I've been on my own since then since 2012. Yeah. And then. It must have been. I mean, it must. I just can't even begin to empathize with. Like how fucked that would have been to go yeah. from this sort of blissful, slow living to all of a sudden you're on your own again. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a, it was a total shock. Yeah. I was in a state of shock for a year or two, I suppose. Right now, right now I'm back to my, you know, being myself. Yeah, how do you feel now? Now, I'm basically um, being myself, and I don't think much really bothers me now. I, I got over that. Yeah, I got over the whole the relationship that's like behind me. And I'm trying to just live my own life right now. Mm-hmm. So what did you do in those seven years? Oh, not much. Nothing much. Were you still up in the house in... Yeah, I was in, I was there until uh, last year, and my in-laws, my wife's relatives, kind of took the rug out from under me. What? Yeah, well, the, the house was supposed to be ours when we paid it off, mm-hmm. and that was a verbal agreement with Carol's mother. But when Carol died, okay, two years later, her mother died of a heart attack, and she did not leave a, leave a will. So the the house reverted to to her relatives, her Carol's brother, mm-hmm. and uh, that was it. You know, I had no legal. I tried to fight in in court in the courts you for did? for a year or two, but nothing came of it. And all of a sudden, the house that you lived in for yeah twenty you years, you're just told to leave. They sold it. Yeah, they sold it. Holy fuck. Yeah. Well, apparently. Holy fuck, man. Her mother owed a, uh, owed a lot of money. And uh, maybe the, the they used the house too. People who, who to whom she owed money were were after it. So maybe that wasn't her uh, Carol's relatives that were truly after it. Maybe it was uh, you know the people who wow. whom, whom she owed money to. Yeah. So yeah, I had to move out and you know left half of my belongings there. Some of it is in storage. The most important things I left in storage in Pemberton and. What are the most important things? Oh, my some books, artwork, personal stuff, things like that. Artwork? Do you paint? Oh no, it's it's collected artwork. Cool. Yeah. And now you're here. Yeah, and now I'm here. I had to. Well, I lived on a in a school bus on someone's place in Burke. You know where Burke is? No. It's past between Pemberton and Darcy. It's a little community. And I knew this guy who was renting out places to hippies, kind of a hippie abode. And I lived there for a while, and then it must have been kind of a nice place to get back on your feet. Yeah, well, it was okay, but the the guy the guy's a real, a bit of an asshole. So. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, he was a what happened? Dominating kind of guy. Oh Jesus. Anyhow, when it got got to the point in the middle of winter where the bus. Uh, the bus it was minus 14 degrees and it was minus one degree in the bus I decided to just you know do something about it so I asked C2 Sky to to help me and they decided to go to Helping Hands in Squamish and live there so I lived there for a while then when when the weather got better I started living in my in my car because uh, you know basically the Helping Hands is such a it's a prison like military organization as far as I'm concerned Really? Yeah, they're, they're very strict. You have to be in by um, 8 o'clock, and you can't go out again until 9 a.m. Why is that? Because the, those are the rules. <laughs> those are the rules they have. You struggle with authority? Oh, I hate authority. I, I detest authority. 
Doesn't matter what kind of authority. Oh, I don't care for authority the least bit. Yeah. Me either. Good. <laughs> We're in the same club. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They helped you out, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, you know, I still go you there for meals. For oh, yeah. yes, I'm grateful for that. Sure. Yes, I am. That's tough, though. You know, even when, when you know, sometimes it's a good thing. But for me, anyways, that authority, that like, dealing with authority, even though you know sometimes they're in the right or something, you're just like, God damn it. Like, yeah. Even when you know you're wrong, sometimes you know. Yeah. I'm not saying that you were. Yeah. No, I, I just resent being told what to do. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to conform to any anybody or anyone. I have my own ideas of what you know, what what the world is about. Yeah. What reality is about and all that. What do you think the world is about? Oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> what can I say? It's it's an ongoing experience. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I, I I I mean I guess like let me rephrase that so it's okay. a bit easier to answer. Okay. Um, as you've gone through this life and as you go through it more, what are some things that you sort of have taken with you through the years that you understand are important? Or that maybe you haven't, maybe that you've left behind and now you understand are important. Oh, gee. Oh. You know, I'm... is it love? Is it happiness? Or is it something totally different? No. You know? Friendship is important, very important. Being You've had able some to understand others, yeah, yeah. Like I've met a few people in Squamish in the recent few that's months good. that I really get along with. That's good. Yeah, you, yeah. It's been, it's been. Meeting, meeting you was a nice experience too. Yeah, likewise, man. <laughs> Thank you. And it's been awesome to see you at the Zephyr. Kind of, that's kind of a, like a social place for you. Yeah, hey? Oh, it is. It's, it's like. You know, after spending so many years in the bush, isolated. Yeah, that must have been crazy. It was a, but I needed that. I needed to get away from the world. Personally, I needed to what get... What were you it, getting away from? Society itself, I guess. Uh, and all its pressures and, you know, viciousness maybe even. And all mm. its... Um, its, dr its drive to make everybody become like a little block that fits into the rest of it. Yeah, kind I just of kind of feel like you're in a cage sometimes. Yeah, hey, exactly. So that's what I was... Just fucking kick that door down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to get away from. And I, I think I got it all out of my system that not being here now is And it was time okay. to come back. Yeah. And then I don't mind being around other people now at all, somehow. Hmm. Like Therapeutic it, in, in the woods, I guess, hey? Yeah, oh, it was, yeah. For a long time. I mean, there were times times when I... Was it lonely? Well, when, when Carol was with me, my wife, then it wasn't so bad. Was it lonely even when she was with you sometimes, though? Uh, in a way, it was because, you know, she... I don't think she really understood me as a person in depth, really. Really? Yeah, I don't think so, but she tried to, maybe. But you know. Do you think you, do you think you made it hard to be understood, or do you think it was just maybe because I'm a, like a, I'm I'm quite a misfit in this world, and it's probably <laughs> very difficult for anyone to accept me as the kind of person I am. Because I'm not 
I don't agree with a lot of stuff that goes on in this world. I, I don't really want to get into it right now, but yeah, we don't have to. Get you know, into it. it's just a, the, that's the way it was with Carol. That I don't think she truly understood me. If she had, no, no, I don't know. Well, let's leave it at that. Yeah, we don't have to talk about it. Whatever. It's okay. <laughs> but were you kind of like when you when you came out of the bush? Were you kind of ready to have a bit of a social renaissance and well, connect with people and meet people, or, yeah. or were you scared? No, no, I wasn't scared. No, you weren't scared. No. That's good. So when I came to Squamish, now now that I've been here a while, I, I actually quite a, a quiet um, value my social interaction. Like it's a cafe, for example. Sure. Because uh, you know it's part of my social life now, and if I I'm going to go back to. But you know, Pemberton, Darcy area, because I I have a motorhome there. But for the mushroom season, maybe. But I I don't know if I can hack it, uh, leading leading that kind of life again for too long. Maybe a few months. Maybe I'll end up back here again. You think you'll you'll miss the people? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Probably will. Or. No, I'll, I'll see. I, I have other plans for the future that I've, cool. I've not finalized yet. But are you still? If you don't mind me asking, are you still on disability? Is that kind oh, of? Oh yeah. You, no, I'm actually. Yeah, yeah. That's how you get your income. Yeah. Are you, are you connected to your past at all still? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like, do you still ever meet up with old friends or anything, or, oh, or talk I wish, to anyone? No, I or? wish I. I I had connected with my old friends in Toronto. One one person in particular. But was that the person that you went for walks with? Yes, yeah. We're we're quite close friends. And but oh, we somehow somehow that relationship ended when, when my wife entered into the scene. She was more or less like a Was your friend a woman? Yes. No, my wife, the one that became mm -hmm. a, my wife, yeah. She was um, Your friend was a man? Yes. Yeah, we're just close friends. Yeah. We're, it was not, not, not any anything sure. like a, a physical relationship or anything. Despite the fact that other people thought so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they saw us walking happily, you know, in alleyways. It's in the strange too, you know, the way that sometimes intimacy is assumed to be romantic. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't That's really, what people assume always, yeah. or or they want. To Maybe not know. anymore, though. Maybe, Maybe it's not. changing. Yeah. And it's and it's beautiful though when you can overcome that and realize that you can be really intimate with your friends and not romantic. You know, yeah. I think that yeah. that's when friendships really blossom. Uh, well, it's it's harder. You can it's, act. It's harder with women. Uh, the, the opposite sex, right? Because you naturally assume that you know something should be going on, even if there isn't, right? Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. Are, I don't know. Do you find it easy to be friends with? be on a platonic relationship with friends, with women? Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. Okay, well maybe, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I unless suppose. I'm attracted to them, I guess. Yeah. Then it's kind of trickier, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. And sex always changes things, or... It does, it does. Or even just like the like attraction to someone always changes a dynamic. Mm -hmm. And if you're not mature about that, and I've been immature about that before. Okay, yeah. You know, but if, if you're not, if you're truly not or you're just mature enough to have a hold on your sexual attractions. Yeah. Or at least... 
well, deal with them, then I think, yeah, I think it's pretty easy to be I guess, friends with someone. I guess uh, that's a sign, sign of maturity if you can put that on a totally on the back burner if, if if the other person isn't into it, right? So yeah, not and not just place not place the whole value of the friendship yeah, and the yeah. potential of being exactly. sexually intimate with yeah. someone, right? Which is pretty fucked up that we even think about that. But that kind of intimacy is also a really beautiful thing. It is. I know. I know. Yeah. You said you you said you're valuing your independence right now. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I want. You're not to looking have, for love. Oh, maybe, but I'm. I'm not looking for a relationship that limits my independence in in any way whatsoever. Mm. So, that's it. Would be have to be part of the the boundaries that if I were ever to make a close connection with someone, I would not want to limit. You know, my my ability to be myself as I want to be. Yeah. Which means I would want to be able to be friends on any level with anyone else I chose. I think that's. So I think, that, I think that's a. I think that's totally feasible, though. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people would understand that. Totally. And you know, that's a, that's an honest way to be, I guess. I think honesty else. is the is the only way in relationships. Yeah. You know. I think so. Yeah. I mean, my wife would be very. Oh, she she could get very jealous about me being talking to other women, and she, she'd instantly, you know, read things into that that, that weren't there at all. But mm. Maybe that's. It must have been kind of fresh, hard yeah, at times. Well, yes, yeah. When you yeah, when you have a lot of love to give to this world and yeah, just being friends with others. I mean, I was totally. I was never. I'm That's never, what I'm, 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 I'm unfaithful uh, towards her. Uh, yes, she would read that into any kind of relationship I had with uh, other women. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was funny. Anyhow, that was that was just her. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? We all we all fall short at times. That's true. And I think. One thing I've learned from some good friends of mine is that it's important to be gracious with the flaws of others. Oh, yes. yes. Because sometimes it bothers us even the most because we see it in ourselves. That's true. You know? Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think grace with that kind of stuff is really important. Yes. True enough. Yeah, I agree. Because none of us are perfect, so how can no, we no. expect others to be as well? Yeah. I are know. you a jealous person? No, I, I hope not. <laughs> I mean... Is it, jealousy is kind of a an innate instinct. That, that you think so? I I mean, if you if you really like someone, love someone, and you see them relating to someone else on an intimate level, you think, oh God! I wish that was me. <laughs> What do you mean? No, that, I that, mean like, oh God! I wish that was me. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's part of the human nature, I guess, to be like that. But you know. Well, you have to deal. I guess we have what, to deal. What do you? Did you ever feel that way with your wife? Well, not really. No, no. She was with my the first girlfriend I had. I felt like that with her sometimes. Yeah, but with my wife. When you're young, though, you know, like, yeah. That's kind of where you she, learn she, not she, to be jealous. She would flirt with other uh, other oh, yeah. guys <laughs> younger than me. Oh no! And, oh, that that got me. That really Ouch. got to me. Heartbreaker. <laughs> yeah. Far out. Oh, and she was good at flirting. Yeah, uh, smooth yeah. talker. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Where would you go traveling? I really want want to go to Southeast Asia. So again, well, I'm I lived in, lived in Indonesia for a year and a half. That's what you're saying, yeah. I really loved it there. Fell, fell in love with the whole... When you were just a kid? Yeah. You really liked it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I bet it's a totally different place, too. It'd be cool to go back. Yeah. So I, I would love to go to Thailand, maybe, and from there, maybe jump to Bali, Java. Who knows? Wow. That'd be great. That would be great, man. You should do that. Yeah, I'm planning on doing that. Fuck yeah. yeah. When would that be? Hopefully this winter. You know, my nature is such that I, I hate snow. <laughs> Sorry to say that. But if you like snow, that must have been hard skiing, to be living in the bush hate, in the winter. Yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I had to get keep getting firewood. Keep the, stove going, keep the stove stoking going. Stoking the stove all every, winter. Uh, yeah. One day I got so Trudging fed up. Trudging through the cold. Yeah. So one day I got so fed up. I smashed, slammed the stove. The stove had a window pane on it. Uh-huh. And I slammed the. St- the door on the stove so that the, the window pane cracked and that, that's expensive yeah, you uh, high temperature fixed. glass so it costs like 120 bucks to get a replacement <laughs> <laughs> anger yeah. gets you nowhere hey pardon I said anger gets you nowhere no no just costs you yeah it costs you. yeah that's right <laughs> fuck but you know, I was I was just fed up with everything at that point. Ah oh, man, I'm just picturing you like trudging through the snow, getting <laughs> firewood all winter long. I know. Using, I, I have For a chainsaw. Twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I got that changes got, you. And I got around to getting a chainsaw, getting my own firewood using a chainsaw. Oh yeah, I'm quite good with a chainsaw, by the way. Were you, were you guys, if you don't mind me asking, were you, did you guys drink a lot? Well, uh, I, uh, Carol drank occasionally. I drank a lot more than she did. <laughs> you drank a lot back then? Well, I drank, no, actually I didn't drink that much, but I would drink a few beers a day, probably. And she's at one beer, just one beer a day maybe, you know, mm-hmm. but I drank more than her, yeah. Did you continue your drug use throughout your life? Pardon? Did you continue your drug use throughout your life? Like you said, you were experimenting with LSD as a teen and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I... um, Occasionally, I did mushrooms, yeah. Did you ever get to a point of abuse or anything? Oh, no, no. That's good. No. There's no no point in abusing hallucinogens. Yeah, but Hallucinogens are their own medicine kind of thing. You know, it's actually makes makes you wiser as a person if you use hallucinogenic drugs I think than, rather than anything else yeah if you allow them to I think so yeah yeah. if you have an open mind that's like you know right now they're, they're using uh, ayahuasca for to treat people with drug addiction really and that's a hallucinogen and oh that's a uh, I think it's mostly DMT combined with something else. Have you done DMT? Uh, no, not, not as such, no. I've done mescaline, I've done ma- mushrooms and, and LSD, but not DMT. Have you done peyote? Yeah, that's mescaline. Yeah. That's mescaline. Yeah. Cool. yeah What's I that have. like? Well, that's good. It's a nice mellow, mellow trip. Cool. Did you do it in like a traditional setting? 
Or just, did you do it in like a traditional sweat setting and oh. like a? Oh no no no! Just 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 a real home setting. Just a home setting, basically. Never, you never got into the harder drugs or anything. What do you mean by that? Like like. Like, did you, like, uh, drug use kind of like, you know, people can say that things are gateway drugs and stuff, like, did you ever go into, like, those party drugs, like, coke and stuff? <laughs> like, uh, well, coke does, I've not into coke that much, but other drugs I've, I'm very susceptible to, yeah. Mm. It's a fine line to dance, isn't it? Yeah, so, oh, God, tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> no, I don't really, I don't don't really want to get into that subject. How do you feel now? How do you feel about how do you feel about where you are? No. Who you are? Where you're going? Actually, I don't mind where I am right now. Cool. Even though. Yeah. Are you happy? You know, I I don't think about whether I'm happy or not because it's like oh, it's hard to describe this feeling because once I start thinking about. Am I happy? Then I think, yes, I'm happy. And then you start thinking, where do you go on from there, right? Mm. So I don't try not to think about it. Just try, try to, to be, be present. Just to be there, be here and now kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Because, yeah, it's, that's what it... I don't know, but maybe I am, maybe I'm not. <laughs> I don't care. Well, I know what you mean, I though. Really Sometimes, don't. you know, it, it's like... <laughs> it's hard to it's say. It's like by observing, I, observing the subject, you immediately change it yeah 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 yeah. so if you observe your yeah. happiness you change yeah, it yeah it's like something interesting about, what something about butterflies no what, what is it oh never mind <laughs> can't think of it right now that's okay yeah chasing the butterfly and capturing it and then everything yeah whatever yeah changes yeah something like so that. you feel good though no i i think i'm Despite, you know, all kinds of things going in my life, I don't mind where I am right now. Cool. Yeah. Are you excited about the future? Yes, yeah. Hopeful? Yes, I am, because I want to go to... Go, go, yeah, you got big go plans, traveling. man. You got big oh, fucking yeah. plans. I want to go to Southeast Asia. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You really should. Oh, I love that part of the world. I mean, that's part of my childhood, so... Not that I need a justification to go there. No. <laughs> but, but it's it's yeah. always cool when it means something to you. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, I, I totally understand You have a platform to build off of. I, I have a feeling, maybe I'm being presumptuous, but I have a feeling that I understand the Asian mind, but probably, you know, that's just my... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sitting down. Okay, man. Hyacinth. Yeah, thank you. That concludes my conversation with my friend, the man known as Hyacinth, the man of mystery. What I really got from this interview and what I get from my friendship with this man is this manifestation and understanding that we can go through traumatic and incredibly difficult things in our lives and still come out bold individuals who are kind who are incredibly kind and also on the note of kindness that it doesn't always fit into this polite 
cookie cutter, well trimmed. But when we drop these stereotypes and don't look for them in ourselves as well, maybe we're able to unlock another level of kindness because it is more genuine. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope that in some way this either entertained you or hopefully inspired you to uh, break out of your cage and get this. Nice.